Welcome to the Energetic Radio Podcast. My name is Dale Sidebottom. Each week, I'll bring you inspirational guests who will help you bring fun, energy, and purpose into your lives. Let the show begin. All right, everyone, welcome back to the podcast. This is episode number 301 with Richard Rosser. How are you, Richard? I am fantastic. How's it going, Dale? Yeah, really good, really good. So before we get into everything we're going to talk about today, and I'm really excited because there's so much I want to learn from you, particularly myself, individually here, Richard, but what's the highlight of your last seven days? What's the one thing that's lit you up? The one thing that lit me up? Well, you know, my mom came and visited, and my wife and I just moved to a new neighborhood, and my mom had never been here. So all of a sudden we had all these incredible new things to explore. And so we went, we went to the Central Library in Los Angeles. We went to an art museum that she'd never been to. It, we just had an amazing time. And so it was, it was a chance to go out and, and really explore our new neighborhood through her eyes. Oh, is isn't, cool. that, isn't that cool? I think um, one of the things is too, when people come to visit, particularly loved ones that you want to make it memorable for them. But also what we don't realize is the impact that has on us because it probably makes us do things that, you know, it's not that we're lazy, Richard, but we just don't always plan these amazing weekends. Exactly. Exactly. And, uh, and, and, you know, we did some very simple things. Um, like she's 85. And uh, so she and her husband, we got in the car and we, cause we talked to them about, Oh, we take these walks. We love to go up in the Hills. They can't walk up in the hills like we do. Uh, so we jumped in the car and we started driving around showing them all this. And I saw things from a different perspective because I was driving and, and pointing things out that I'd never seen even when I was walking and, and going slower. It was, it, it's, it's really interesting seeing things through someone else's, through their eyes or through their lens. Yeah, so true. And, I think that's and, one of the big things. And that's a empathy. lot of what we could, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and I think, uh, sorry to cut you off there, but that's no worries, uh, no worries. What, a, what a lovely experience. And I really love that. It uh, just highlights, and particularly we're not going to get into COVID, but we weren't able to do those things. You know, it, it sounds so simple, but they're the things that we really crave as human beings. It really is. It really is. I, in fact, <laughs> we, we were going down to the central library in Los Angeles and we came upon a stop sign and there was a cop there on a motorbike, right? And he had his hand up and we said, whoa, wait a second, what's going on? And we noticed there's a bunch of bike riders in the background. And then we, we looked a little closer and realized that the majority of the bike riders were naked. And there's, there, there's here I am sitting with my mom, you know, and, and there's, there's this, I mean, 300 psych, bicyclers, I, I don't want to say cyclists because they weren't cyclists, they're, you know, they're bicyclers. And it's the, it's the annual naked bike ride through Los Angeles. And so we sat there held by the traffic cop while these 300 bike riders went by and some of them were hanging out completely. <laughs> some of them had, you know, various, you know, various shorts or whatever on, but it was, uh, it was, it was very interesting. I, I don't know if I'd say it was a highlight, but it was certainly an interesting thing to stumble upon. <laughs> you, you didn't want to join in? Well, my wh wife and I have signed up for next year. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I 
probably not something you want to share with your mum though. So maybe that's maybe right. not invite right. back, Richard. Um, <laughs> now, mate, as people could probably tell, you are a master storyteller. You're an author. You're a filmmaker. You've been on tra- made films, uh, shows such as Grey's Anatomy, Chicago Med, This Is Us, MacGyver. Who doesn't love MacGyver? Twenty Four and much more. Um, but one of your greatest skills is storytelling. The art of storytelling. From a young age, were you always good at this, or is it something you can train yourself to get better at? Well, first of all, my dad was an amazing raconteur. He he loved to tell story jokes. And almost more than he loved to tell them, he loved to hear. Like, like I remember being at parties and, and my dad would hear one of his friends starting off on one of his story jokes. And he would sidle up to him and listen. And he would he would never ruin the punchline, right? His approach was always he wanted to hear how they told his story differently and where they got laughs that he'd never gotten laughs before. So so from a young, young age, I mean, you know, when I was three, four, five years old, sitting at the dinner table, listening to my dad tell stories about what happened at work that day. And I always, I was always mesmerized by his ability to tell an incredible story. And so I was incredibly lucky growing up that that was my point of reference to storytelling because not everyone has a has a mom or dad or you know a relative who uh who can tell stories like that and so i i've all i've never been afraid of getting up in front of a group and talking or telling a story or or uh in fact a lot of what my job consists of in the in the film business is getting up in front of large groups of folks and telling them what's going on and what we're going to film and what the background need to do and and all that so um i've never had a problem getting up in front of folks and 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 speaking and it was interesting a a couple of years ago my daughter had just gotten her learner's permit and was learning how to drive and she and i were driving around she was driving and something happened and that evening at dinner, I said, oh, Allie, tell mom what happened in the car today. And she said, oh, mom, I almost ran over a cat. And I said, no, 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 that's not the story. No, <laughs> the story one. is, right, the story <laughs> is we came around this curve and Allie looks and there's a cat sitting in the middle of the road and it looks up at her and she looks down at it. She slams on the brakes and drives over the cat, doesn't run over it, but drives over it. And it, we looked back and it had popped up out from behind the car and looked up at us and sort of went and ran off into the brush to live another eight lives, right? And so I sort of recounted that and she, I saw her sort of look and go, oh. And I realized that my own daughter really didn't even know how to tell a story. And so after that, I realized oh, there are all sorts of folks out there who they want to tell a story. They don't know how to tell a story. They don't feel comfortable doing it. And, and so what I've done over the past eight or 10 years is work on creating programs, curriculum for students, but also I, I speak in public about storytelling and uh, to various organizations, entrepreneur groups. And so I feel like a little bit of, a, you know, I, I feel like I'm going out and, and, and I'm a story evangelist, right? telling people and showing people the value and the power of of a great story mm, i i think uh just tracking back a little bit to your dad you know when you're saying that he was so curious you know and, and mm-hmm. quite often in so many social situations people aren't listening people are just waiting to talk um it's, it's oh, really fascinating that your dad was so far ahead of the game and he was 
you know, he was listening. It was his story. So he probably had every right to come in and butt in, but you don't learn when you're talking, do you? You learn when you're listening. That's, that's really fascinating. Have you ever thought of that? I'm guessing that's something you picked up as well. Yes. I mean, I hadn't thought of that specifically in terms of my dad's approach. I just knew that he, he just so enjoyed the, the act of us, of hearing, telling and hearing a story. And, and he was also, you're, you're right. He had a very, I never thought of it as a curious uh, nature, but it, it was, he wanted to hear how his story was different when someone else was telling it. And, and Dale, you know, that's one of the really cool things about story is that stories are really based on our experience, our, our, our own personal experience. And so as we start to tell a story, now, again, if I, if I use the example of speaking in front of a group of, say, you know, accountants, right? So if I go to uh, speak in front of a, a group of accountants and I'm talking about the power of story, I'm going to work on trying to come up with a story that, that, connects, that connects me with them and that they can understand and have fun with. It may be a joke. It may have some humor to it. And, and so that, like you said, that is, that is the curious facet. And that's what's going to connect us. Um, as I've really gotten into storytelling, I've realized that there is this incredible brain science behind storytelling. And, I, and I've done all this. I mean, I've read, you know, 300 master's theses and doctoral dissertations. And, and there is unbelievable stories or science behind storytelling. I mean, our, our brains have been wired for story for 10,000, 13,000 years, right? And so there's, there's something called um, narrative transport, which is sort of the, the biggest concept when it comes to the psychology or brain science of storytelling. And what that means is think, think about a, a book that you love, right? That maybe you've read once or twice or three times. One of my favorites is uh, by Ken Follett and it's called Pillars of the Earth. It's about cathedral building. And when I get into that book, I get lost. I'm right there with the characters and all of a sudden everything else just falls away. You know, I, 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 the beeper's going off, my pizza's burning. Uh, there's an Amazon uh, guy at the door ringing the bell trying to get me to sign for something. It, it, it all just, I don't hear any of it because I am just sucked into that story. Whether it's a movie or even a song, everything that, that has a narrative structure can suck you in with narrative transport. And so narrative transport is, is the ability of a story or a storyteller to take you to a place that uh, everything else just falls away. It, it, it just disappears. It, um, and it makes so much sense. And if you look at any great keynote speaker or TED Talk or something like that, it's, it, it's, um, you've got to have stats and facts to back everything up, Richard. But at the end of the day, unless you've hooked people in, they don't care. They're not going to take anything away. That's so true. That's so true, Dale. Exactly. And so that's that's really what I took away from my dad was I would watch him tell you know stories or jokes, and uh, and and people would just you know sort of sit sit closer and mm-hmm. lean forward, and um, and ultimately that's what we're all trying to do when you know when we tell stories. I I read a, a statistic the other day that eighty five percent of our daily communication is through some sort of storytelling or narrative structure. And you think about that and and you think at first you think there's no way 85%. But when you, when you think about, Oh, 
right. I went out to lunch. I told a story. We, we, my friend told me, Hank told me a story. I told him a story. And we, we bonded over those stories. Everything you do, with the exception of, you know, basically just checking groceries out or something. But even then, you get involved in a story about, you know, oh, my gosh, I, I, I didn't realize I got the big size. Instead, everything is a story. Everything is narrative. And it's so interesting. I've got a couple of young boys and everything I do with them oh. is reading stories. And we, we start at such a young age. Like, and it, it's ingrained in us, isn't it? And if you look at the schooling system, the best teachers are the ones that can build that narrative around whatever they're doing. Or why do kids love playing video games so much? Because the gamification behind of the story yes. hooks them in. So it is everywhere. That, that stat of 85% when you said it, I was like, that doesn't make sense, but it does. It does. And, and okay. So now how old are your boys? Uh, two and a half and seven months. So it's pretty, oh, oh, so pretty they're, full they're on, pretty very, full on yeah, yeah. Know, Richard. <laughs> right. Exactly. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but so, so here, here's a really cool thing again, in terms of the brain science with and behind story is with your two-year-old, as you're reading your two-year-old books and as you're telling your two-year-old stories, he will develop, well, both your kids will, they'll develop an innate understanding of the narrative structure. Without, I mean, you know, a two-year-old can't understand protagonist, antagonist, call to action, climax, resolution. I mean, you know, a lot of adults can't understand all that stuff. But, <laughs> but when you get a child and you start telling them stories, and I mean, I used to make up these crazy, crazy bedtime stories with my kids about me playing all these different musical instruments, but over over time they knew that the structure was going to be okay dad is going to play a musical instrument and something crazy happens and something else and the instrument gets mashed or trashed or crushed or and 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 so they knew this structure and so as they start to read and they start to tell stories themselves they understand so reading comprehension there have been there have been a number of studies that show that reading comprehension is so much more heightened when, with, with children who have either been read to and or told stories to, or they've told stories themselves, right? So as much as we can with, with young kids, we wanna be reading to them, but we also want to get them to be telling stories because that helps them verbalize. It helps them uh, really think in logical patterns and rational patterns but also sometimes illogic. I mean, you know, some of the best stories I've ever heard are four and five-year-olds who are just, <laughs> da, 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 you know, they're just going and they come up with some amazing stuff because they don't know that the characters can't fly. And, and you know, I mean, and, and, and older kids sort of go, well, that could never happen. Well, yeah, I can in a story because a story could be anything. <laughs> Uh, really true. And um, for primary school teachers listening along to this or elementary, they would be nodding along because some of the things you hear all the time, Richard, are that far-fetched, but that's amazing. That's that creativity, like what you're talking about. You know, if your kids that you're getting creative, you're telling these stories, you're allowing them to go on these journeys. Um, it is so important because with all the world changing and technology, creativity is something we all need, isn't it? It is. And, and, you know, uh, I'm going to bring up the you know the the term chat gpt right it's all it's everywhere now 
Yep. And I think an AI and, and um, so I think, you know, before we got on and, and, and started the podcast, we were briefly talking about, you know, I said, you know, there are a lot of people who are really anxious about AI. Some are anxious because they're very excited and some are anxious because they have this dread of, oh my gosh, yet another thing I have to learn about and, and it's going to take my job. Or, and there's a lot of stuff out in the media about AI specifically or AI in general and chat GPT in specific. And what I view chat GPT and, and for those of those of your listeners who or, or viewers who may not know. So chat GPT is a very specific type of AI. It's a generative text generative AI. So basically you you type in a text message or a question and it returns a response. And you can ask it, uh, you could ask it to pretend as though it's Einstein and have a conversation with it. You could ask it to tell you a story in text. And so there are all sorts of possible ways to, to use this technology as a tool. And so that's really my approach right now is just like a, a mathematician might use a calculator to figure out some sort of a formula to help, you know, create space, a SpaceX rocket that can go up into the heavens and deliver satellites. We could do the same thing using ChatGPT. As storytellers, as creators, we can use this technology as a tool without, without necessarily getting bogged down in the technology itself. So that's one of the things that I'm really excited about, about this technology. It's, it's really an incredible brainstorming tool and it can help you think outside the box. It's like having, you know, it, it's like having 10 or 12 people in a room with you with incredibly disparate views, right? That you never would have thought of uh, on your own. And so what it does for me is it, it, it shows me outside the box, all these possibilities. And it's sort of like going back to the, the, through the eyes of a three or four year old, because it's not necessarily editing things as I ask it questions. It just sort of spits things out. And then I can then go in and figure out what's working or not for, for whatever story type I'm working on. But um, so I just wanted to bring that up because I know that uh, it, uh, it's it's an incredibly um, divisive topic right now. You know, I, I mean, there are teachers out there who don't want to even talk about it because in their view, the students are going to use it to cheat and that's it. And, and, and again, my approach is, well, it's here to stay mm. as much as, you know, as, as, as much as we like to, to think it is or not. And we can use it as a tool to help us create the, the, I think there's a tendency for folks to think, oh my gosh, it's just going to reduce every single communication to mush. And yeah, I mean, if, if everyone goes in and uses the same crummy prompt to uh, create you know, Twitter posts or uh, Instagram posts or a blog post, then sure, it, it, we're all going to sound the same and everything we do is going to just sort of turn to oatmeal. However, the folks who are creative, who are going to figure out how to come up with prompts and create prompts that are based on their personality and their creativity and their individualism, then those people are going to you be able to use it as a stepping stone or ladder to incredible possibilities. And so that's really what I'm excited about, uh, about all this technology is, is, yes, there's automation and you can get rid of mundane tasks, but it can also help us create things 
that we never even imagined before, which is, yeah. is really going to be cool. It, it is crazy. And I think the biggest thing, like you just mentioned, Eric, Richard, is it's so powerful, but people people are scared because they don't know where to start. Do you know what I mean? And, uh, yes. Whatever. Oh, absolutely. And, and so I, I can, I empathize with him. I play around with it. I think it's amazing, but I reckon I'm only scratching the surface of what's possible with it. So I know you've just released a new book, um, chat GP simplified for non-tech beginners, a guide to AI, which brilliant name because that hits so many people that probably are anxious about what this is going to do. And, and I agree with you that it is here to stay. So instead of looking at the negative, let's find a way to make right. it positive because if used right, it can help everybody. So for people that are in that boat of, you know, uncertainty, a little bit scared, a bit nervous, anxious about, about it, what are some easy prompts or ways just to maybe get started today that they could, you know, see the power of it, Richard, and get excited like we both are? Well, so I don't profess to be a tech guy, right? I mean, I, I, I'm technically minded. I work in the TV business, so I know about visuals. I know about uh, film and video equipment, but I'm not a programmer uh, and, and, and I don't claim to be. So my approach to ChatGPT and, and again, AI in general is from a storyteller's perspective. And so when I start to look uh, and I decided, I decided to write this book because I was, I've been doing workshops on, uh, on storytelling and creating storytelling culture in organizations and, and uh, entrepreneurs, startups. And uh, so as I was doing that back in, I think it was January, someone said, man, you should, you should try using ChatGPT to help you organize these things. And I said, of course, you know, what's ChatGPT? <laughs> and they said, oh, it's just incredible, it's AI, right? And, and so I jumped on and I started typing in, you know, th this one uh, school wanted me to do a, uh, a, a workshop, which was storytelling for trainers because they, they were getting feedback from all the, all the trainees from various trainers. They were saying, either th this person tells way too many stories and they, they really don't have any point. And so it just eats up all the time and then we haven't really learned anything or it's all about facts and it's boring and all the trainees are falling asleep. And so there's gotta be a sweet spot in the middle where we can help these trainers use story to emphasize their points, whether it's workplace safety or it's you know uh, uh, marketing or whatever it is, um, but they can use story to emphasize the points and help the folks remember because storytelling has a much better rate of retention. So I, they, the school said, we want you to create a workshop that is storytelling for trainers. And I said, absolutely, fantastic. And we, we got off the Zoom call and I said, wait a second, I don't know anything about trainers. And so I went to my favorite research assistant and I typed in, you know, what would a workshop for storytelling for trainers look like? And it spit back a bunch of information. And some of it was great and some of it was pretty pathetic. And some of it I really latched onto and I explored that. And I and so it it really is, it gives us the ability to become better storytellers using this technology. So let's let's go back to the very first thing that i actually typed in so um i typed in uh something like um you know write a short paragraph story about finding a lost dog and so it spits out I don't know, you know 50 or 60 words about finding a lost dog and it was a nice little story and and i said okay now tell that little story 
in the in the in the style of Edgar Allan Poe and Shakespeare and ooh, Hunter S. Thompson and uh, uh, J.K. Rowling, right? And and I so I started I started just fooling around with this, and it spits out and Mark Twain and you know and so it's spitting out Toni Morrison. It's spitting out this little story about a dog. It's like fifty or sixty words in these different styles. It was incredible, and I'm reading through this, going, "Oh my gosh, you know this is this is pretty close." I would I would if I was reading this, I would be able to pick out Hunter S. Thompson. You know, it's this is a pretty crazy story about Hunter S. Thompson finding this dog. So <laughs> when you're when you're looking to just don't don't have any preconceived notions about chat gpt or bard or bing or any of the any of the text to text generative uh ai just go in and start messing around right and have some fun in, in fact if you're if you're so inclined uh like dale said i i just uh published my book it's chat gpt simplified and what i did in the book is is i looked at all the various possibilities again from a storyteller's perspective in fact chapter three it talks about writing prompts and questions, but I, th I thought, okay, this is really almost like going through like a, a, a wonderland or, a, you know, or a, some sort of a theme park. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is like Alice in Wonderland. And so I created the chapter as though Alice is going through and meeting the Cheshire Cat and the Mad Hatter and the, and the Red Queen. And, and I used those references to make it fun and interesting in terms of crafting and creating prompts that can help you become more creative and think outside the box, whether you're an entrepreneur or you're a freelancer or you work a staff job somewhere, um, it can help you think of all sorts of possibilities that you can jump on for, you know, for promotion or to get better, get more business or, or become a better a uh, business person for the clients that you already have. It's really, truly an amazing resource. So, so just go on, you, it, it, ChatGPT is free. Just look up, you know, how do I get on ChatGPT on Google or whatever your search engine is and jump on the, 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 the free version is, uh, is it's, it's incredibly generative, right? And then you, if you want to do $20 a month, you can jump up to, uh, to a, a different version that's a higher end version, but you certainly don't have to have that to explore. And, um, and again, you know, if you've got kids, oh, one of the coolest things I found, I said, um, you know, what can I do with, uh, my, now my daughter, my, my kids are older, but I was like, what can I do with kids that'd be fun? And it came up with the idea of doing a treasure hunt in our neighborhood. I mean, think about that, right? We've all maybe done a little treasure hunt around our house. You know, you come up with little, little, uh, little um, uh, clues, but it's talking about the neighborhood and it actually has reference to the neighborhood where we live. So, you know, if you've, if you've got kids or you're, you're, you, you want to have a fun party that you go out and do some fun stuff and come back to the house and have dinner or something, I mean, it's got all sorts of possibilities, right? And that is what, and, and again, in terms of our creative selves, uh, we can use this as a tool to become more creative ourselves and, and, and open up, the, you know, these treasure chests of possibility. Like you just said, that it's doing things that 
like nobody's probably going to spend somebody might and if you have I'm, I'm very sorry if i insult you but nobody's going to spend all that time to go around the neighborhood and create a treasure hunt like if you if you are that's amazing but just thinking about that you know putting in your location where you are and if you really deep dive into this richard it is allowing people to be more creative if they're open yes. to that absolutely absolutely and and again that's why i mean you know, you can see I'm I'm very very excited. You are <laughs> about 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 it, but not not because of just the technical facets, right? I'm excited because it it can give folks uh, a way to look through rose colored glasses, you know, uh, um, through uh, lapis lazuli colored glasses, right? I mean, this incredible blue that it, it's just it's it's really cool. But but again. Just let's forget about AI and ChatGPT for a second. To me, storytelling really enables us to communicate with other folks. And, and, and again, going back to young children, it helps them express their individuality. It helps them uh, discuss their creativity, but in a way that you're not, you're not you know, you're not just pointing to it, right? So when I first started creating my curriculum and my programs, um, I realized, you know, this was after after my daughter had had sort of botched the story about the almost running over the cat. <laughs> um, I, I thought, well, now how can I how can I get students excited about telling stories? And and I started thinking about the very simple stories that we could tell. And so what I did was I created this curriculum that. It starts off about the history of storytelling, but then it quickly, I, t I teach, the, I tell the kids a joke, right? And again, it's not a, a punchline setup, or I mean a setup punchline, sorry. It's, um, it's a story joke. And it can be a very short story joke, but it's got a character, it's got a fun voice, it's got maybe a, a fun sound effect that you can make. And so I do that and the kids laugh and then I say, okay, now it's your turn to tell a story joke. And each kid has a chance to come up and I help with guidance. And, and um, then the next session, we talk about tall tales and they learn about embellishment and sort of magnification, amplification of possibility. And then we dive into a ghost story. And I don't know what it is about ghost stories. I don't know if you know, if, if you've gotten into, and one of the things I tell the kids is, the younger students is, ghost stories are sort of like, it's sort of like, hot sauce right you can't you can't go in and tell a two-year-old you know a, a ghost a, a ghost pepper hot sauce ghost story right you got to start off with like a mild or, or even maybe a medium but but you have to temper it to your audience and so the kids and then of course when when i'm doing it with high school and then college age students the ghost story becomes the urban legend and there's just something about ghost stories and urban legends that there's a there's a viral a viralness to them that kids just eat up or students you know eat up and uh, and so what I do is I get the students telling these stories and every once in a while I have a student who says no oh, I'm not getting up in front of the class to tell a story ah not doing it and then of course by the end of the session by the end of the class that student's going, uh, can I tell my story? Because they've seen all these other kids having so much fun. And so they get up and they tell a story and they're, but while they're telling these simple stories, a ghost story or a tall tale or a ghost story, they're learning about all the practical storytelling techniques of 
varying your, your cadence, varying your, the pitch of your voice and the volume and using, I tend to use my hands when I talk, as you, as you've seen, I can tell, but, but, you know, my mom used to have to tell me, Richard, use your hands when you're talking. Cause I would literally, they were chained to my side, you know, when I was in, in sixth and seventh grade. And so the, the students learn how to use these, these techniques in just telling a simple story. And they're also standing up in front of a group of, you know, 15, 20, 25 students. They don't realize that they're actually speaking in public. And so, you know, I, I trick them a little bit. Don't tell them, all right? But, um, <laughs> and, and what it does is, is it gets them so excited about the possibilities of telling these stories and helping them figure out what stories to tell that it, it fools them into telling these stories in front of a group of people. And ultimately, we then take these story techniques and we can use them as the, as the students get older and they start interviewing for jobs. Then we come up with a story that they can they got in their back pocket, right? And so as the interviewer asks them, well, now are you a are you responsible or are you punctual? Yes, I am, right? Well, no, no, no. That's a perfect place to tell a story about, you know, I'm assistant manager at a McDonald's and the French fry fire caught on fire, and oh my gosh, I had to call the fire department and call the manager. And all of a sudden the interviewer sees, oh my gosh, this student or this interviewer or interviewee. Uh, they can communicate on the fly. They are responsible. In fact, they didn't just tell me about it. They sort of showed me and they write French fry fire on the resume, right? So when it comes time to hire, the interviewer's thinking, all right, there was uh, that one guy in the blue shirt, there was somebody had glasses, the red hair, striped shirt, uh, French fry fire. Oh, now that, that person knows what they're doing. They're responsible. They can communicate. Uh, that's who I'm hiring. So whether you're pitching a project, and again, I, I mean, I, I talk to a lot of entrepreneurs and folks with startups and, and small businesses. And so storytelling, it's not just about marketing. It's about leadership. It's about conveying your message to your team. And, and it's also about selling a product or selling a pitch, right? I mean, if you can't tell a story, it doesn't matter how good a programmer you are. If people can't understand what your app is about and what it does and why you created it, no one's going to care, right? No one's, no one's going to invest in you. Yeah, it's, it's so true. And I'd never thought of it like you just mentioned about like in an interview or different things like this, but realistically, every sort of conversation you have is an opportunity to make a mark, be memorable, you know, make an experience that people won't forget. Um, and the best way to do that is through story. I'd, I'd never thought of it like that, but obviously it makes complete sense if somebody's interviewing 10 to 20 people for the day richard you know, like they they want something I've different. Done it. They're, they're crying out for something different because they're like oh these answers are all the same give me a story exactly i mean think about all the all the shows right you've got the x factor and and uh, uh i mean fox uh, um american idol and i mean you've got all these different shows and when you think about the people that just come through and come through and come through the people that stand out are someone who who has a story or embodies a story. And again, that that's something, Dale, that it doesn't have to be a told story, right? It doesn't have to be verbal. It can be a visual story. I mean, we see people all the time who have incredible style or or crazy style. And, and so even in singing a song, I mean, if you think about some of the most compelling songs, they're songs 
there, I mean, think about, uh, you know, uh, uh, Don, Don McLean and um, uh, his, his, his song, uh, um, uh, uh, um, what was it? Uh, American Pie. Pie. Um, American Pie. Yeah. See, I can't even think of the title, but I can remember the, <laughs> I can remember the song. Um, but that whole song was about the story of, of the day that Buddy Holly and the music died. And I'm not even sure if he ever says, I, you know, I'd have to listen to it and see if he ever actually says the, the name Buddy Holly. But because of where he sets the scene, we know who it is. And, and he's got all these references to other folks. And, and, and there's all, you know, there's all sorts of websites that talk about, you know, one is Bob Dylan, then there's Jimi Hendrix and these folks. And, and, um, but uh, but th it's a story, right? And so songs can be story, movies are stories, uh, and, and things can be stories with uh, even, even classical music that doesn't have any words. Um, you know, Vivaldi's the four, you know, the four seasons. Um, it's each one of them is embodies spring, summer, winter, fall in, in the musical content, in the way it approaches the music, which is just, it, it can blow you away when you think about it. Oh, it really can. I, I'm really enjoying You're, you're the master of storytelling, Richard. You're very, you're very good at it. Now, <laughs> the one thing I do want to know, and I, and this is probably something that we probably can't even identify ourselves because we don't know, but um, the future of, you know, creativity and storytelling and things with AI, because it's so new and it's such had such a profound impact already um, mm -hmm. if you're open to it. And I suppose like what we spoke about with your dad earlier, he's curious about, you know, getting better at storytelling. I've seen the impact it has. I think we need to be curious about, the possibilities that AI can have to enhance every aspect of our life. Where do you see it going? Do you think about this and like what the future holds with AI and everything? I'm sure you do. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, I, I have to admit, Dale, that I, I, I had this idea to write this book and, and I start and I, and I, I used, well, so on the cover of my book is, is a little character, right? And my daughter gave that character a name and his name is Chad GPT. Uh, so <laughs> when you look at the cover of my book, Chad GPT, and so, so I don't actually use Chat GPT anymore. I enlist the help of Chad GPT, right? So, uh, so I, I wrote the book with the help of Chad GPT. And at first, I was I was going to call the process um, uh, AI assisted storytelling, and I thought, no, it's not really assisted; it's it's enhanced. And I'm a big thesaurus guy, and I because I love words, and so I'm always looking for like the perfect word. And to me, Chad, Chad GPT or AI is really a an, an, a thesaurus on steroids plus it what it does is it enables us to put something in and then we say hey i just came up with this idea and for you know for a product a new pillow or you know and and what do you think of that and, and what can you add to that and you, and you hit return and it goes right and, and you go oh oh wow oh my gosh that is fantastic it's a new pillow that's got uh you know it's it's got earplugs your earbuds inside so you can listen to music while you're sleeping i you know i'm just literally making this up as i go along but <laughs> but um but what it can do is it amplifies my personality my communication my creativity my individualism my my 
organicness of me, right? And so ultimately, I, th I think that, yes, there are going to be tech folks who deal with, hey, you know, this can synthesize ideas or it can, it can uh, summarize a, uh, a spreadsheet with, you know, a thousand columns by a thousand rows in two seconds, right? And it can give you a, a synthesis or a, a, a summary of that. That's fantastic. And that's a time saver. But again, what I'm really excited about are the possibilities of, of helping unleash our creativity. And again, with music, I, I, I got to tell you, I'm not real excited to hear a bunch of AI created music that's just supposed to sound like, you know, okay, here's a new Michael Jackson tune that AI came up with. And here's a new, I, I, I'm not, I don't know that I'm, maybe I'll change my mind, but what I want to hear is musicians using this sort of like, you know, sort of like using, using uh, a previous song and sampling that. I mean, that's what I'm interested in is, is hearing what musicians, how they can utilize this technology to amplify their own creativity as opposed to sort of, you know, typing in, okay, make another Michael Jackson song like Thriller, but it's called uh, um, Diller, you know, and, and <laughs> it's, just, it's like boring, you know, to me, um, I want to hear the real thing. And, and so that's what really gets me going is the possibility of creativity. Now, let me just step back a second and say that you may have folks who are incredibly technically minded. Okay. And one of the things that I do in my workshops is I work to help folks who are very technically minded and oriented, and I help them come up with a way of creating a story about something that they may have created or something that is, is very technical. And a good example of this is uh, one, the, the first example that I use for everyone is I read a description of Beethoven's fifth symphony uh, that, that I had Chad, right? And it's very, very technical. And it says something, it's like only 50 words, but it says something like, this is a, you know, a symphony for a large orchestra. It's four parts. The first part, uh, first movement is a scherzo with an A-flat minor with a motif, a re repetitive motif. And, and then I, and I jokingly say to everyone, hey, I've got an extra ticket. Who wants to go see this tonight? And everyone just sits there. And I say, well, what? wait, you don't want to go see this show? It's really incredible. And they say, no, it sounds terrible. It sounds boring. And I say, okay, well, how could, how could I make it sound more exciting? How, how about if I, if I tell you something like this? And then I read a version that, again, it was enhanced, but I, I, I put my personal imprint on it, right? And I say, okay, I sit in the, in the, in the hall and the, the orchestra comes in, they sit down and the thunderous opening starts with four notes bum 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 and every time i do that i get a little shiver so it goes down my spine and then it repeats bum 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 but and then it gets into this light and airy part and i you know and i finish up with oh my gosh and there was a standing ovation for two minutes and i just could not believe and i say who wants to go with me i got this extra ticket and everyone raises their hand and i say well, okay well what was different and they say well in the second version I was sitting right there with you. I, I was experiencing this, this symphony. And I say, exactly. 
in the first version, you know, it's talking about A flat minor. These are somewhat, if not very abstract terms, unless you're a musicologist, right? And so what we what we want to do, and this is this is when when we create a story that that fulfills this concept of narrative transport, it transports our audience to the place that we're talking about. And in this example, I transport this audience to a concert hall to hear Beethoven's fifth to the point where when I finish after 50 or 60 words, everyone is dying to get that ticket. Now, of course, it's all it's all, you know, just made up. There's no performance. There's no ticket. It's all just to get them excited about the, the possibility. Right. But but ultimately, when we think about what we're doing, we want to make it interesting. We want to give it emotion. We want to we want to create a connection between us and our audience. And then now the audience, Dale, can be just you and me at lunch, right? And you tell me a story about taking a hike, and 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 I, and I say, all right, next time you take that hike, ping me, and I'm going along with you, right? Or I could tell you about my my experience hearing Beethoven's Fifth, and you say, "Well, next time you go you go to the concert hall, get me a ticket, and I'm there." Right. So ultimately, that's what we're trying to accomplish in this 85 to maybe 90 percent of the time now that we're telling these stories as we go through our day. And so what I work to do is is help folks discover those ways of embellishing a story and amplifying the story and and putting more of themselves in the story so that the listeners, the viewers, the audience feels like they're right there with the storyteller again. And, and it, you don't have to be a great storyteller, but whatever you are, if you're a musician, if you're a painter, if you're a writer, that is your version of what I'm talking about. Right. And so ultimately, you can go and harness ChatGPT or Bing or, or, or a Bard, which are the text to text, or you can harness Midjourney or Dali, which are the text to image, or you can, if you're a musician or a singer, you can go in and you can start to harness some of these incredible music generative AI, uh, you know, and, and uh, it's, it's really amazing. And so um, get excited. Get anxious, but anxious, excited. Not mm -hmm. don't don't worry. It's we're, we're everyone's behind. Every I mean, even the folks who are experts are still going. Okay, I still have no idea what it's going to do. And uh, you're right. So, well, Richard, you've excited me about it, and not only that, I think you've re-energized me and just emphasized the point of how important it is to be engaging and make people feel because when people feel particularly through story, they'll come on any journey with you. And you are obviously very, very good at it. So for listeners here, where can we get your book? Where can we book you to speak? Where can we check out your course? Everything like that. Where's the best spot to go? The it's AI AI. So AI AI. That's it. Um, and, uh, yeah, if, if you're interested in my book, uh, or shoot me, I'm, as I was telling Dale, just before the, uh, just before the podcast, um, I'm now, uh, I'm now consulting. And, uh, so if you're interested, if you've, if you've got a small business, you're an entrepreneur, you're a startup, uh, or you have some other, some other way that I haven't even thought of to communicate <laughs> through story, 
hit me up and uh, let's talk. Let's discuss. We'll figure something uh, very, very interesting out. <laughs> I love that. And Richard, I, I think people will. And for listeners, this is episode number 301. Go to the show notes. I'll have links for that so you can check out, obviously, Richard's new book. But then all his, so his website and reach out. And I think start the conversation about what is possible because if you're not already exploring this, you're going to get left behind. And I think that is something that we've really drummed home today. So, Richard, thanks so much for your time, mate. And not only that, your passion and energy, it's uh, – it's really nice to, to sit here. I feel very grateful that I've been able uh, to share these 45 minutes with you. So thanks so much. For, it's already been 45 minutes? Oh my gosh. 40. Well, I want to give everyone a challenge. I want to give everyone a challenge very quickly. As you move through life in the next day or so, tell a story to someone or stop a second and just take in the story that someone's telling to you and reflect back on oh my gosh right that's part of that 85 percent of every day that is told through story or narrate or, or the narrative structure right have a great one and um thank you very much dale it's been an absolute pleasure